0: Back, welcome back to another episode of Frank Carter 99, a 49ers podcast. So, we got a game to talk about today, <clears throat> and unfortunately, we lost another one that's now three in a row. Not how you want to go into the bye week, not at all. <clears throat> uh, I think I mentioned about two weeks ago that I wouldn't be hitting the panic button after one loss. And I'd be thinking about it after two. And uh, basically, what I said was, if we lose three in a row going into the bye week, then we're gonna have to make some serious changes. And I think that we we figured out quite a few things on what we need to change. And it was a very interesting game. There was a lot of good. There was a lot of bad. Um, I will say this was a very exciting game. It kept me on the edge of my couch the entire time. It was so fun. Uh, so there was definitely a whole lot of good. There was definitely some really bad, some really ugly, some super frustrating things, some stuff that just didn't make any sense at all. Uh, some bad news that came after the game and just a, a whole, whole bunch of craziness. <clears throat> um, but you know, you, if you tune into the show, uh, you know that all I'm going to do is just, I'm going to do my best to take what I saw, take you know what little I know, try and form some kind of opinion and give you... The best information uh, and you know takes that I can give, uh, whether or not they're any good, who knows. <laughs> but uh, I'll give you I'll give you what I can, and you know at the very least I try. So there were some uh, very interesting storylines with this game, <clears throat> and I would say that this game probably. I would say there's probably four main things that we could kind of focus on for this game. Um, So I'm just going to try and list them off real quick. Obviously, if there's other things, we'll get to that. First off, Trey Lance. We got to see Trey Lance start and play an entire game. He threw a bunch of passes. He ran a lot. Uh, We got to see a full game of Trey Lance. This is what we've been wanting. So that's one big thing. Of this game second big thing with this game uh, the defense our defense was incredible and I'm not a genius when it comes to understanding how defensive schemes work um, I can usually have a general idea of how good a defense is and usually the way I do it is more based off of matchups because the NFL is a matchup league and if you can win your matchup that usually means that If you win enough matchups, you're going to win that side of the game, whether that's offense, defense, special teams. So Trey Lance, amazing defense. Uh, The third thing, uh, I would just say questionable or suspicious coaching decisions. And what I mean by that is uh, things like... You know why? Why did Trey Lance run the ball more than all of our running backs combined? Uh, why was Travis Benjamin in the game so much? Why? Why did we elevate him, put him out there? Why wasn't Ayuk on the field more? Why wasn't Trent Sherfield on the field more? I do. I never want to see Travis Benjamin on the field. I mean, no offense, but. He was really fast and a really electric returner like five years ago, but now he's like a 30-year-old receiver who was never really great. There was kind of more of like a gadget kick returner guy, and now he's out here taking up valuable reps from Ayuk, your first round draft pick a year ago, who was really fucking good last year, and there's some weird shit going on with him. He's out. He's getting snaps from Trent Sherfield, and Sherfield was, by all accounts, the second best receiver in training camp. And we've seen the connection that he has with Trey. Plus, he does bring that speed, the size, the athleticism at the receiving position. Um, just just some weird coaching decisions. Like, why would you elevate Travis Benjamin and make Jawan Jennings? A healthy scratch like there was one play where travis benjamin was trying to block like run block he ends up just holding a guy i would much rather have juan jennings out there run blocking at least he's fucking six foot three and like 210 pounds like he can run block i don't want a little 180 pound travis benjamin out there trying to like win run blocks are you kidding me um, so, yeah, just questionable decisions in terms of, like, snap counts, personnel, um, and play calling. And then the other main thing, I think, with this game <clears throat> was the penalties and how bad the center-to-right offensive line was. Mac. Bronskill and McGlinchey were horrible. That was some of the worst that I've ever seen them play. And it destroyed this game. And all the penalties that went on. There were so many penalties where it was like, Trey is already backed up because, you know, like... I'm not going to go through every individual play, but how many times did we watch J.J. Watt destroy Mike McGlinchey or Dan Brunskill or Chandler Jones beat one of them around the edge on the right side, you know, like force Trey under pressure to like run out and scramble or force a tackle for a loss or do one of those things. So now you're backed up and then McGlinchey is committing a fucking holding penalty And like Trey goes out there and then he'll like freaking run like third and seven. He gets 15 yards and then you're back there fucking holding. And now it's like instead of it being a first down where he just gained 15 yards, now it's third and 17 and your 21 year old rookie in his first game ever is having to bail you out like come on. You are the veterans, like the veterans on this team let the rookie down. And the rookie was out there playing his ass off, trying to freaking will this team to a win. And dare I say it, he looked really fucking good for a 21 year old rookie. Like it didn't look like he was overwhelmed There was definitely times where it was like, yeah, he, you know, missed that read. Or, hey, that was a slightly inaccurate pass. But Trey had 200, nearly 200 passing yards and nearly 100 rushing yards. And that's after you take away all those other things from penalties and dropped passes. I think there was, there was three drops. I think all three of them would have been converted for first down and I think that there was three or four first downs that were negated by penalties. Uh, you know, whether that was a, a pass, uh, like a completed pass or a run. like it was just ridiculous. I think I remember there was one play where it was it was a seven minute drive and we gained 18 yards. Seven minutes, 18 yards. That makes zero sense. And if it sounds like I'm frustrated and I'm angry, it's because I am. Because, again, going back to the defense, the defense was lights out. Like, we took we took on the number one scoring offense in the NFL. They were averaging 35 points a game. They hadn't scored less than 30 all season. And we kept them to 17 points. And they weren't an easy 17 points. Did you see DeAndre Hopkins catch? Like Norman was all over him. And I don't think there's more than like two or three receivers in the entire NFL who make that catch. And like our defense was lights out. Like we held the number one offense to 17 points. You've got a 21-year-old rookie out here and he is basically one of your best players on offense. Like are you kidding me? This is this is what's been so frustrating with this team is that there is so much talent in so many places and then a lack of discipline and just bad miscues and just just bad play at specific times is killing drives, is backing the team up behind the chains. And now you've gotta go like whoever it is, whether it's Jimmy or Trey, now they gotta go out there and play hero. Alright, so who are the best players on offense? Trent Williams, no surprise there. He was pretty good. He held his own really well against uh, you know, Chandler Jones. Lakin Tomlinson, he was also pretty darn good. Trey Sermon who, by the way, only had two snaps. And that's another thing I got to get into is, again, the lack of running back runs. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Trey Sermon, he was one of the highest grades, so got a 70 on two snaps. (laughs) Um, Brandon Ayuk had, like, nearly a 70, a 69.9 grade on 46 snaps. But for some reason, he was only targeted, like, three times. And his catches were fucking awesome. Like, Brandon Ayuk's catches were ridiculous. Like, when he had that quick comeback out, or whatever that is, and Trey Lance just, perfect ball, just drilled it to the outside back shoulder, and the defenders just draped all over Ayuk, and somehow Ayuk fucking one-hands it for a first down. And then the other one that he had, where it was like second and 25-25, Again, Trey Lance, perfectly placed ball, throws a rocket, hits him. It's about a 12-yard completion. And what does Ayuk do? He boxes the guy out with one hand, basically catches the ball with his bicep in the other, turns, like evades like four guys, and runs to for the first down. So it's like a 26-yard catch, and like 15 of that was After the catch, him just dodging guys and breaking ankles. Elijah Mitchell played a really good game. He had a 68.8 grade, 44 snaps. Why did he only have like nine carries? Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because our offensive line was so bad that they were holding and you can't fucking run the ball when it's third and 17, second and 20. Third and 21. You can't run the ball when you're that far backed up because your offensive line is fucking retarded. (sighs) Dan Brunskill, right guard, second to worst lowest grade. He was destroyed. He was getting destroyed every single play. JJ Watt or whoever the heck was lined up across him was just having their way he had a that's that's a terrible grade Travis Benjamin same thing why did he get 15 snaps he had a 47 grade that's absolutely terrible Ross Dwelly I generally like Ross Dwelly but he wasn't good this game in fact I think in this game and I watched uh, John Chapman shout out 49ers rush had a hour and a half long film breakdown on offense that I watched last night and Charlie Warner had a pretty good game Charlie Warner was the best blocking tight end in the game he had some really good blocks Uh, Charlie Warner was a way better blocker than Ross Dwelly so yeah Ross Dwelly was bad and I know Mike McGlinchey's not listed on there as the three lowest but it was bad He was either missing blocks, uh, whiffing on pass blocking, or he was committing a holding penalty pretty much every play. Mike McGlinchey was just absolutely horrid. And I know Alex Mack is not listed on here as well as one of the three lowest. I don't have all the PFF stuff. I don't quite have that like super elite or whatever they have. I just have the basic one. Uh, I don't have Alex Mack's grade, but what I will say, Alex Mack... You are a 15-year veteran at center, a multiple-time Pro Bowler, part of the all-decade team as a center. Get your fucking protections right. The very first play of the game, Arizona, they give a five-man front on defense. They send five. Alex Mack doesn't slide the protection the right way and Chandler Jones gets a free shot at Trey Lance on the first play on top of that Dan Brunskill gets beat by JJ Watt instantaneously luckily Trey Lance plays his ass off evades both of them and scrambles like 13 yards for a first down that was the first play of the game and it didn't get any better Alex Mack was terrible getting his protections right. It was obvious Arizona was sending the blitz. They were literally putting five, six, seven, eight guys on the line of scrimmage and not even hiding the fact that they were going to blitz. And Alex Mack wouldn't get the protection right, or maybe he did. I have to assume that he didn't, or the entire right side of the line is just horrid. Because they weren't blocking anyone on that right side, and Trey Lance was running for his life this entire game. I have no idea what would have happened to Jimmy G. Trey Lance took two sacks for only a negative for a six-yard loss. That is really good considering how bad the right side of that offensive line was. And on top of how bad the pass blocking was on the right side, on top of all the holding penalties that we had... They weren't good run blocking either. Like Mike McGlinchey is supposed to be this good run blocker. Alex Mack is supposed to be a good run blocker because he was in the system and he knows the Shanahan system. That's part of the reason why we brought him in. When they ran to the off the right side, it was terrible. I'm pretty sure that they lost yards or got no gain whenever they ran to the right. Whenever they ran to the left, Lake and Tallinn sent out here is like a bulldozer, just plowing guys out of the way for big gains. So it was just, it was so frustrating the offensive line play, and it was just ridiculous. Like, what do you expect to do? Uh, Trey Lance, by the way, uh, his PFF grade here into sixty-six point three. Now, if you're not too familiar with PFF, PFF is not the Bible. They have a very uh, unique way of grading things where basically they have every single play and you can either get a negative 2 or a plus 2 and in 0.5 increments so your play can be a 0, a -0.5, a -1, -1.5, -2. same thing, 0.5, 1, 1.5, 2. And basically it's you know, did you make the right decision and did you execute the did you execute a positive or a negative? That's the simplest way to put it. And they do grade every single snap. So it does kind of give you an average of overall play. 66.3 is pretty damn good, especially... Well, let me rephrase that. Uh, 66.3 is not elite or great. But what it is, is really fucking good for a rookie. Most rookies are earning like 50s and 60s grades um, as quarterbacks. I think that uh, the the best rookie grades, you know, maybe they'll get in like the 80s, but for for a 21-year-old on his first start, 66.3, pretty good. Like, we have seen way worse. And by the way, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, his first four games that he played, Trey Lance's Grade is better than three out of four of Jimmy's grades. So Trey Lance, as a 21-year-old rookie making his first start, played better than three of Jimmy's games so far this year. So if this is Trey's floor, what we saw on Sunday, then I do not want to see any of Jimmy for the rest of the season because Trey Lance was doing everything everything that he could despite everything stupid going on around him and again stupid things like get Travis Benjamin out of the game throw to Iuk, throw to Sherfield, have Jawan Jennings on the field as a run blocker he also is really good at catching the ball I don't know if you know this but he doesn't drop it he has really good hands um yeah so get Travis Benjamin off the field Get Iuk more targets, especially without Kittle. It should be the Debo and Ayuk show. Um, yeah, and then I can't really hate too much on the lack of the running backs getting runs. Uh, just because when you're backed up and you're behind the chains, it's really hard to say, hey, let's lean on the run game if it's second and 20. Second and 13, you know, third and 20. You can't run the ball. So, yes, very frustrating. Uh, yeah, so I I remember that when I was talking about the game on our preview podcast, and I was saying, you know, I see a way that this team can win and that the way that they win is complimentary football and they clean up those really, really bad mistakes that they're making. And they lean on the things that they're good at, you know, like get your run game going, get the play action passes going, get Trey some easy targets, get him in rhythm, lean on the run game, run out the clock, control possessions. When you are on defense, stop them, you know, the way that you did with Seattle. The defense did everything that it could to win this game. Trey Lance did everything that he could to win this game. And the running backs, the running backs were really good, but they didn't have opportunities because they were constantly backed up due to the terrible play of our offensive line and just lack of discipline penalties. So I don't know what they need to fix, but something is wrong with the coaching and I know there's some people that are like, oh, Kyle Shanahan, hot seat. He should be fired. Like, no, Kyle Shanahan just got a freaking five- or six-year extension a year ago, and they just gave him his choice of quarterback and said, yeah, you can keep Jimmy, too, because we want to make sure that you're comfortable making the transition. <clears throat> Shanahan's not on the hot seat. But what we can do is say, hey, Shanahan, there's some serious shit that's not going well for you. You could be 5-0 and there are really, really dumb mistakes that are going on, and ultimately, you are the head coach, you are responsible. You need to coach up your players, you need to communicate with them properly, you need to communicate with your players better, communicate with your coaching staff better, the coaching staff needs to communicate to the players their assignment better, they need to get better at their techniques, understanding, like, all those little things. Again, I'm not a football genius, but I do know that when you're in charge, it's your responsibility. And Shanahan needs to figure some stuff out. They're going into a bye week. They've just lost three in a row, three games, which they could have and should have won. Like legitimately. Like the Green Bay game. They should have won that. Like if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers making a couple of ridiculous throws with 30 seconds left in the game and Mason Crosby hitting a 51 yarder, which hilariously, he missed like four kicks in a row on, on uh, Sunday. Uh, it'd be, it's kind of a bummer that we didn't get that version. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for that, we could have beat Green Bay. Um, even with the terrible turnovers from Jimmy and the other problems, we could have beat Green Bay. And then against the Sad- Seattle game, like five consecutive three and outs and all you can get is one touchdown. And then your quarterback gets hurt. Trey comes in and leads two touchdown drives in the second half, uh, you know, cold off the bench. Uh, So could have won the Seattle game if our first half offense could have put up some points against, by the way, a Seattle defense that's allowing like 450 yards a game, like historically bad defense in Seattle. And then this game, we could have won this game. We were moving the ball. Like, I don't remember the exact stat, but I think that it was uh, out of 10 possessions uh, like Trey had it was like Trey's 15 possessions. It was like 10 of them made it past the mid midway point like past midfield. So the majority of them were getting past midfield and Jimmy's previous 15 possessions. It was less than that. So Trey is getting the ball into field goal range. But, again, go figure. We've got a new kicker. And I will say, I did not love every fourth down uh, play call that we had. But I do really like that Shanahan was aggressive enough to go for it on fourth down five times. Like, I love that. I am so, I love seeing Shanahan just say, fuck it, we're going for it. Like, fourth down? fourth and one? Yeah, let's go for it. Um I think they need to work on some things again. Trey, he's a 21-year-old rookie. He needs experience, he needs reps, he needs practice. But like how once Trey gets going and that was that's kind of what I'm getting at with Trey is yes, it wasn't perfect. He only completed like 50% of his passes. Uh he had the bad interception to start the game where it just threw high. He wasn't always on time. He wasn't always looking at the right part of the field, making the right read. Like if you want to get really nitpicky, then you can get nitpicky with Trey Lance because he has a lot to work on. But the talent and the upside and the sheer will to win and competitiveness off the charts. I mean, you, what I see, what this kid has, just in terms of like tools and motivation, he has all the tools and mindset, and just he is the kind of player that could legitimately be a top three quarterback in the NFL. Like, there are moments when you can see that he has the arm strength of like a Mahomes or a Josh Allen. And there are times where you can see him just like pinpoint accuracy, just like hit it, perfect ball placement, like on a back shoulder away from a defender, like perfect. And there are times when you see him in the pocket and he's so shifty And he shuffles up and to the side and he evades a guy and things are collapsing around him. Then he can take off and run for 20 yards. It's like you can see all these tools that he has. And it's not quite there yet. And you don't expect him to be there yet. But you can see what's possible. And you can see like this kid could be so special. And I see why they took him third overall. And it was so exciting to watch this game, which is why it was so frustrating seeing all these terrible plays and everyone screwing up around him to where he's literally running for first downs, having penalties called against him, and now he's got to convert an even bigger third down. Ridiculous. Can we talk about how great this defense is? (laughs) Oof. Sorry, I'm fired up about this game, but if you watched it, you know why. Trey Lance is the the potential is through the ceiling, and all I want to see is him play the rest of the season. The the way here's some other things. Let's let's just real quick compare what Trey has done to what Jimmy's done. Trey Lance, he only completed about 50% of his passes. Jimmy completes in the high 60s. All right, fair enough. Trey is also throwing passes twice as far. Trey's average depth of target this game was around 10 yards, whereas Jimmy's is normally like 5 or 3. Jimmy's throwing it like 2 or 3 yards, and then Kittle is like killing himself trying to get 10 extra yards. Trey is actually hitting guys 10, 20 30 yards downfield. Trey in this one game had more 20-yard passes than Jimmy has all season. Trey stretches the field. Like they had to defend the entire field because Trey will throw it 20 yards, 30 yards anywhere. Um, Another thing that frustrated me was I wanted us to call some deep shots because if we dialed up some deep shots, it would have you know, like softened up, softened up the, uh, the running lanes in a sense, there weren't really very many deep shots. And that's like, you would assume that the reason why you bring Travis Benjamin up is because, you know, he's quote unquote, a speed threat, even though he's old and washed up and not good anymore. Like put Trent Sherfield in Trent Sherfield's fucking fast. Like Trent Sherfield beats guys vertically he's big, like he runs pretty much a four, four flat and he's like six foot one, 200 pounds, like Trent Sherfield, big, fast, use him as a vertical threat, like clear outs, use him as your clear out guy, you know, that clears things out vertically so that you have some stuff come open underneath. Use Trent Sherfield like that. So yeah, um, But the defense, the defense was so good. Again, Nick Bosa. Let's talk about who the best players were on defense. Best players on defense. Eric Armstead was awesome. Eric Armstead got an 89.2 grade on 42 snaps. 89, that is elite. Eric Armstead was just collapsing and pressuring everyone. He was dominating whoever was in front of him. Second best person on defense, Nick Bosa. You know how good Nick Bosa is. I know how good Nick Bosa is. Everyone knows how good Nick Bosa is to the point where they're doubling him and chipping him constantly. And it still doesn't fucking matter because Nick Bosa is incredible. Nick Bosa had an awesome game, 86.1. Again, borderline elite status. Got a sack on Kyler Murray. Nick Bosa has five sacks in five games. Nick Bosa could have 20 sacks this season. If he has a game where he just goes off, Nick Bosa could have 20 sacks this season. And he was on the field for 42 snaps. Like, he's not coming off. He seems to be fully rehabbed, and he is playing... Like, he never even got hurt, and I know that in preseason, you hear these things like, oh yeah, best shape ever, oh yeah, he looks so good coming off a rehab, oh yeah, blah 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 blah, you know, like coach speak, and teammates talking up other teammates, and all that kind of stuff. When Trent Williams said that Nick Bosa came back better and stronger, I was like, I'll believe it when I see it, That's something coming from Trent Williams, but I wasn't quite ready. Nick Bosa does look better than he was as a rookie before the ACL. And the fact that he's come back from the ACL and he's playing this well is... It is it is exciting and it is fun to watch because he is awesome. Uh, Dante Johnson... Uh, Dante Johnson playing nickel corner. I think I mentioned last time that Dante Johnson, his best fit is at nickel he had a really good game at nickel corner he had an 83 pff grade he forced a fumble our second turnover of the entire season which again we would have really liked to see more turnovers from defense but dante johnson forced a fumble props dante uh dj jones uh he had (laughs) T.J. Jones had a sack where he just bull rushed a guy, threw him aside. It was awesome. He was one of the top defenders. Uh, So was Talano Hafunga. Only came in for five five snaps, Um, but he had a really good pressure on Kyler Murray where they sent him as a safety uh, blitz. It was pretty cool. So, yeah, just overall, the defense, it was amazing. Josh Norman didn't have his best day. But, I mean, when you're getting matched up against Deon, like you know, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, that rookie Rondell Moore looks incredible, by the way. Uh, when you're matched up against those guys, it's hard to have a good game, and he is coming off of, like, bruised lungs or bleeding, you know, internal bleeding or whatever. And to be fair, like, even though he wasn't perfect, he was still solid. So, yeah, it was just, the defense was so good. So good. So good. I mean, again, we held Kyler Murray to one rushing yard. One. One rushing yard. That's amazing. D'Amico Ryans is, I wasn't sure how good he would be, I would say right now that D'Amico Ryans is put up three or four amazing performances as a defensive coordinator, and he is just showing like, hey, I can coach defense. Look at how good we were versus this team, that team, that team. I mean, D'Amico Ryans is coaching his ass off on defense. Again, holding Kyler Murray... the the number one scoring offense in the league, a team that's averaging 35 points and hasn't scored less than 30 points, holding them to 17 points and Kyler Murray to one rushing yard, that's amazing. Like, defense, lights out. I mean, if I could give game balls out, like game ball, just entire defense. If you would have told me that we would hold the Arizona Cardinals to 17 points, I would say we should win that game. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to have nice things. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, let's see if I'm trying to, let's see if I'm missing anything here. So I want to look over my notes. Um, I went over PFF. I talked a little bit. So uh, I'd watched a lot of film, specifically on Trey Lance. Uh, So I watched, I already mentioned John Chapman, 49ers rush, shout out. Uh, So his breakdown was really good. It was about an hour and a half long. Uh, Just went through the entire offense, play by play with the all 22. Uh, It was really good. And there was a lot of really good things that we saw from Trey in terms of, again, movement of the pocket. He was usually finding the right read. He wasn't always perfect. He wasn't always super accurate. Um, but overall, Trey was really good. John Chapman has a great film breakdown. Um, join his Patreon. Uh, JT O'Sullivan, uh, former 49ers quarterback and just veteran NFL uh, player. He put out a Trey Lance film breakdown today. I watched that on my lunch break. It was about 30 minutes. He's got the QB school po- um. QB school on YouTube and one of the things he was a bit more critical of Trey, which I can understand because he is a, you know, he, he holds players to a high standard and he's like, Hey, you're in the NFL. Like you need to fix this. You need to fix this. You need to fix that. So he's a straight shooter and I can appreciate that, especially as a former NFL quarterback. There's a whole lot of things that he's able to point out that I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. I had no idea. Um, the main thing that he was pointing out was uh, Trey Lance needs to speed up his processing. So things like on blitzes, uh, just and not just processing, but general mechanics. So things like footwork. Trey's footwork sometimes he gets a little bit, a little bouncy, and when you're bouncing a little bit, it's more difficult to throw accurately, uh, because you know if you're if you can imagine you're standing or uh, you're in like a, an athletic position, you can kind of like imagine like put like a, shoot like a laser through your eyes at something, like there's a straight laser. Now if you start just like bouncing on your tiptoes a little bit, that little laser is going to move a little bit. And if you imagine trying to throw while you're bouncing, having a base is important. So he was pointing that out. So trade, just, little things like that, you know, like a little bit less bounce when you're in the pocket. Um, don't, You, you know, clean up your footwork. You don't need that extra hitch in your step. Uh, Things like that that just mess with the timing just a split second. And maybe you miss a pass here and you miss a pass there because your timing is off because your footwork is off. So little things like that. And again, like, Trey is a little bit raw. Like, he needs to work on some things. We've, We've known this all along. What we saw was... Super athlete, super smart kid, high character, bazooka, rocket launcher for an arm. He needs to clean up some things. He needs his experience, but with the right coaching and the right system, the kid could be a top five, top three quarterback, like, for the next 15 years. And, you know, like, yeah, of course, he needs to work on something. So I did like the seeing JTO Sullivan, him doing some of those breakdowns, Uh, He was mostly pointing out issues with his mechanics in his footwork. Uh, I would say that was the main thing, his footwork and timing and urgency. There was a couple times where Trey was just a beat too late. But again, like, how do you get better at your timing and your quickness and your anticipation? Reps, like reps, practice, game time. That's what Trey needs. He needs reps, he needs practice, he needs game time. All right, uh, so those are the main things. I mentioned PFF. Uh, Brian Baldinger. So Baldy's breakdowns, he's awesome. Brian Baldinger actually put out a comment today on Twitter and I don't remember the exact tweet, but it was along the lines of uh, hey 49ers, how do you expect me to give an accurate represent an accurate scouting? of your quarterback when everything around him was so bad. Like, Baldy's Breakdown legitimately put a tweet out saying, I can't review Trey Lance because everything around him was so bad. Like, what does that tell you? That tells you that Trey was not the problem. (sighs) Um... Ooh, batted passes, uh, batted passing, and hold, batted passes and holding penalties. So this is something that um, we need to kind of uh, figure out. So, in regards to the penalties, there's different kinds of penalties on the offensive line when it comes to holding. I will say that the When you have a quarterback who moves around in the pocket a lot, what it does is when you're playing offensive line, your job is to create and maintain a pocket for your quarterback. So, you know, like, yeah, a pocket. So you want to maintain a pocket for the quarterback. Now when the pocket starts to break down, one of the offensive linemen gets beat, defensive lineman makes a play or whatever, if the quarterback starts to move, the offensive linemen, they don't have eyes in the back of their head, so they don't know where the quarterback might be running to. So the reason why this is a problem and also a reason why you need to commit to one quarterback or the other you can't be switching back and forth between Jimmy and Trey is because if you're expecting the quarterback you know let's uh let's hypothetically call this quarterback Shmimmy Maropolo. uh let's say that Shmimmy is a pocket porter quarterback <laughs> and when the pocket breaks down he typically throws the ball away instantaneously or just takes a sack uh, so as an offensive as an offensive lineman, you expect that you need to keep this defensive lineman in front of you, and you don't need, really need to worry about him going like sideways or trying to disengage a certain way. So you're used to playing with Shmimi Schmarapolo. Now let's say that this um, this other quarterback comes in, and let's just hypo- hypothetically call him um, Frey France. And Free France is way more athletic and he's a lot more likely to move up, move sideways, and evade defensive linemen. Well, if if uh Flay Flance, (laughs) whatever, well, we'll just use the name. So, Jimmy and Trey, if Trey Lance steps up and then say he goes between the A gap uh, to escape pressure, that defensive lineman might instead of continuing to push into the offensive lineman, he might try and disengage and move off one direction or the other. Now, if the offensive lineman isn't used to that and he's not coached up to that, that might mean that he like pulls on him for that split second long enough to get a holding call. So with the conversion of Jimmy to Trey, Trey is going to move around a lot more in the pocket, be a lot more evasive, which means the offensive lineman need to be coached how to block without holding and how to not get caught up holding when they're having to block longer for a mobile quarterback who moves around and escapes the pocket in different directions. So I don't know what the exact coaching tactic is, but what I do know is that offensive linemen um, consistency and cohesion is a big thing because they work as a unit. An offensive line is a five, man unit and if they're used to blocking for a pocket quarterback who always steps back to roughly the same place and they know how that quarterback typically likes to evade pressure bringing in a quarterback who evades pressure and in a different way in the pocket is going to need to be addressed in terms of the offensive line coaching and since Jimmy and Trey are very different in the pocket Jimmy is a lot quicker Getting the ball out, Trey will hold on to the ball longer and he will scramble more. And it's a great thing because Trey was 90 rushing yards on Sunday. But the offensive line is going to need to learn how to be coached up so that they're not getting all these damn holding penalties and taking away these huge gains that we're getting on offense. Uh, Because I was looking at the... uh, the game PDF or whatever, the data from the game. And it said we had seven penalties for 60 yards, which doesn't sound that bad until you realize that that's not even counting all the negated yardage uh, that was gained on those penalty yards. So they'll call a holding a 10-yard penalty. That's not counting the 15-yard gain that was wiped out. So it's more like a 25-yard penalty, if that makes sense. Because you gained 15 and now you're back to square zero minus 10. So the offensive line is going to need to work on how to get coached up and how to work with a mobile quarterback, Trey, Trey Lance. Uh, let's see here. The other thing was batted passes, a whole lot of batted passes. Um, I was listening to Eric Crocker and he has a quarterback guy that he brings on. I forget his name. I want to say... Uh, Craig Perinelli, Papanelli, something like that. I'm sure I got the name wrong. But he brings on a quarterback guy, uh, quarterback coach, guru. I forget the exact thing, but a guy who knows quarterback play. And he was talking about how come we we're getting all these batted passes. And it sounds like it was basically, it's two things that Trey Lance does. And it wouldn't necessarily matter as much If it was just one of the two things, but it's both of them. And basically what he says is that first off, Trey has a long windup. And Trey does. He has a big loopy windup, but it is fast. So he doesn't have a slow windup. He does have a big windup. Now that wouldn't be that bad, except that he also pats the ball before he winds up. So defensive linemen, when they're getting blocked, if they're not able to win the block, they get their eye on the quarterback. And if they realize that you are patting the ball before you wind up every time, it's a tell for them to stick their arms up. So I don't really know how you're going to fix that, uh, but it is something that we'll want to keep an eye on. Uh, To be fair, though, Every quarterback has batted passes. I mean, Jimmy had three batted passes in the Super Bowl uh, that we lost. Uh, Trey had four today. He was also going up against J.J. Watt, who's one of the best you know, defensive linemen in history at batting down balls. So I think a lot of these things that we saw from Trey uh, on Sunday, I don't necessarily care too much about what we saw on Sunday. What matters most to me is how do things look at the end of the season because this was his first start I don't know if this is going to be one of the best games of his rookie season or one of the worst games of his rookie season I thought he played pretty well all things considered especially in the situations that he was in If this is the floor, I think that's awesome. If you told me, hey, like, the worst that Trey Lance is going to be is what we saw on Sunday, 50% passing, basically 200 pass yards and 100 rushing yards, I'd be like, yeah, like, give me that. He just, Trey Lance created, well, like, 280 yards of offense just on his own. I think 81% of the offense was Trey. Like, Trey was the offense. If that's his baseline... And then he continues to improve week by week. Again, he needs reps. He needs experience. After seeing Trey on Sunday, I am on the train of, I don't want to see Jimmy G the rest of the season. Jimmy G has not been winning games. Uh, Jimmy G, his last 10 games, he's like five and five. He's no longer winning 80% of his wins. He's winning 50% of his wins. Teams nobody's going to do. Everything's limited. The roster is not good enough to carry Jimmy. And we just spent three first rounders and Jimmy got hurt. So let's just start the kid. Give him the experience. Because how Trey looked on Sunday. I'm just wondering how good could Trey look in December? Like, What is Trey going to look like with 10 games of experience? Under his belt, you know, going into the final stretch of the season. Because, again, you know, we're five games into the season. We're two and three. There's still 12 more games of football. How good can Trey get with 12 more games of experience? Because Jimmy is not going to be here next year. I don't even think he should be on the field at all this year. But either way, Jimmy's not going to be here next year. You know who is? Trey Lance, and Trey Lance's potential is off the, like, through the roof, whereas Jimmy, we've seen Jimmy, we know what we're getting from Jimmy, and what we're getting from Jimmy is mediocre and injury-prone. All right, let me see here. Um, So another thing that I think I already mentioned a little bit was I was annoyed at, how little the running backs were used in the run game. I know that there was a whole lot of penalties and uh, stuff, and that makes it very difficult when you're behind the chains to use running backs. But Trey Lance ran the ball 16 times and the running backs, all of them combined had less than 16 runs. So I really would have liked to have seen in the run game, Running backs, running. Uh, Also because, interestingly, and somebody broke down, there's a few people who put these stats out. I know Jack Hammer put it out initially. Uh, Shout out Jack Hammer. I got to shout out everybody. Maybe they'll actually listen. (laughs) Um, He put out that on Trey Lance's designed quarterback runs, he was averaging uh, a little under four yards per carry, Whereas on Trey Lance scrambles, he was getting around 11 yards per scramble. So whereas the running backs were getting like five plus yards a carry. So I would have really liked to see more of a running back run game and then Trey Lance scrambling when he needs to. Um, I just, I don't want to see Trey Lance carrying the ball 15 times a game. It's, I get that he did it in college, But these are NFL players that he's running into. Like, he's not running into, like, you know, a a guy who's going to be working at UPS. Like, these are NFL defenders. An NFL linebacker is a lot bigger, stronger, and hits harder than Trey is used to. And I don't want Trey taking those hits, especially when he's a rookie. Uh, He could get injured. Speaking of which, I didn't even mention this earlier, uh, but Trey Lance has a minor knee sprain. Kind of suspicious, the timing and everything of it. I'm not going to get into conspiracy stuff because I'm not down with conspiracy and drama. There's enough of that going on. What I will say is uh, it's the story that I've pieced together. uh, You know, the game ended. Trey said he felt fine when he ended up going to bed. His knee ended up kind of like. Hurting, swelling, or whatever. He has a minor knee sprain. Nothing serious. It's only a one to two week injury. But this should be a warning of, Hey, Trey, you need to learn to protect yourself a little better. Because you're the future. Uh, I appreciate you diving. And I love just the willpower that he has to just push guys over. Uh, But like... Some of the blocking, like if you're gonna run Trey, at least run him behind Lake and Tomlinson and Trent Williams. Don't run Trey to the right behind the worst right side of an offensive line ever. Like running Trey behind Brunskill or Mac or McGlinchey. No, don't do that. Uh, don't have so many designed runs for Trey. I can understand a zone read. Because what you're doing on a zone read is saying, hey, the defender is going to hit one of the two people with the ball and the person who's not going to get hit is the one taking the ball. Like, that makes sense. But just saying like, hey, we're going to run QB power or a QB draw, I really don't like that. Especially against, uh, you know, a defense who's saying like, hey, we're going to put up a five or six man front. So I really didn't like... Uh, Just the amount of rushes that Trey had. Uh, I do like him scrambling. Like, I think that him scrambling is great, especially because when he was scrambling, he was keeping an eye downfield for passes. Like, when Trey scrambles, he's looking to pass, which is great. It's just when it's like, well, there's literally nobody open. I've looked at three reads, and everything is collapsing around me, so I have to take off. Like, if that's what he's doing on scrambles, I am 100% okay with that. Um, I would have just really liked to see, you know, 10 more carries by running backs instead of Trey Lance, you know, carrying the ball on that many designed runs, if that makes sense. Because his scrambling is really good. And, uh, again, I do really like that he keeps his eyes downfield when he scrambles. All right, let's see here. What else? I'm trying to see if there's anything else that I'm missing. Uh, J.J. Watt destroyed the right side of our offensive line all day. Yep. Uh, No serious injuries. Holy crap. When's the first game that we came out of a game and we didn't have any serious injuries? Like, that was a great thing. I mean, Trey, his knee sounds like it's a little bit swollen, but he should be fine in like a week or so. And we're going into a bye week, so... You know, he hopefully is good to go for uh, the Colts game. I really hope so because I don't want Jimmy G going out against the Colts. I would much rather just say, hey, Trey, you're the guy moving forward and we are just committing 100%. None of this back and forth BS because we all know Jimmy's not cutting it. And if Jimmy's not cutting it, this isn't a Super Bowl roster. Like, let's just put the kid in with the higher upside because I think Trey is going to win us more games than Jimmy will. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but with what he showed us on Sunday, like he is electric and he can make plays and he can stretch and stress the field. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Hmm. No offensive holding calls on Arizona. Yeah. It's kind of suspicious how we on offense, our offensive line always gets holding, but for some reason, like nobody else ever, ever holds Nick Bosa or Eric Armstead. Uh, By the way, that was 100% a safety. When you're holding, when you're offensive line and you're holding in the end zone, that's a safety. So I don't know what the hell the officials were thinking. Terribly officiated game. I'm not going to say the game was decided by officials, but that was one of the worst refed game I've seen in a while. Just really inconsistent as well as bad calls. And, uh, I mean, at least if you're going to have bad calls, like at least be consistent with both teams. You know, if you're going to call pass interference, at least call it the same way on both teams. That way, at least we know both teams are getting the bullshit. But, ugh, terribly officiated game from the refs. Um, Yeah, the penalties on our offense, just yuck. Um, I wanted more deep passes. Elijah Mitchell was solid. I really liked him. Uh, really liked the aggression on fourth down. Defense was amazing. Trey needs to work on his windup. Um, 15 times in this game, we had more than 10 yards to go for a first down. So that kind of gives you an idea about how much we were backed up behind the chains and how much Trey had to play hero ball. You know, uh, 15 times, it was more than 10 yards for a first down. That is way, way, way too many. <sighs> I think that's most of it. I think that that's pretty much everything. I can't think of a whole lot left to go over. Um, I didn't mention it yet, uh, but Kittle did go on injured reserve. Really bummed out about that. So he's going to miss three games so the Arizona game. Uh, he is also required to miss the Colts game and the Chicago game. Uh but it sounds like his calf the really frustrating thing about this, as a Niners fan, I feel like everything's frustrating. <laughs> uh there wasn't an official diagnosis for Kittle's calf. It was like, yeah, his calf is kind of injured. And then it's like, well, what is it? Well, it's you know, it's just he's kinda doubtful. Okay, so he's doubtful for Sunday. Yeah, we're putting him on IR. Okay. So what was like the, uh, what was the injury prognosis? Something in the calf, like something in the calf. Like what, what's the injury diagnosis for Kittle? Uh, like strain sprain, tear, bruise, broken ankle. Like, you know, like, are we talking hairline fracture here? Like did, did somebody cut his big toe off? Like, why do we not know what Kittle's injury is when he's getting put on IR? So, that's a little frustrating, not having Kittle. Um, yeah, we really could have used him. And by the way, if we're not going to have Kittle, <sighs> Shanahan, I know you don't listen to my podcast because I've got like 20 listeners. <laughs> uh, if by some chance you are... Uh, Don't try and outsmart everybody. Like, just get the ball to your best players. You know, like, Kittle's out. Get it to Debo. Get it to Iuke. Get it to Elijah Mitchell. Let your quarterback do his thing. Like, please don't be putting out there, like, Travis Benjamin and, like, trying to, you know, like, yeah, just... Without Kittle, we should be seeing Debo and Iuke getting 10 targets a game. Each, they're just, they are the two best receivers on offense. And don't you dare, don't you dare put Travis Benjamin out there over Sherfield. Sherfield was the second best receiver in camp, and he was incredible in the preseason. And Travis Benjamin looks like shit, and I'm not an NFL coach, and I can see it. So, end of that. Uh, we also, let's see here, um, we also did have a couple moves, roster moves. Nothing crazy. We did end up cutting uh, two players. So the running back, uh, Patrick, uh, what was his name? Juck Patrick and uh, Devontae Harris. So we waived both of them. They will likely go back to waivers. What I'm hoping this means is that... With us losing Devontae Harris, that must mean that the team feels good about uh, Emmanuel Mosley. Quan Williams should be coming back from injury soon, which means Dante Johnson shouldn't need to be on the field. And Josh Norman, he's been playing pretty solid. And we do also have Drake Kirkpatrick who can play on the outside as well as Demo Lenore, which, by the way, didn't see any Demo Lenore. Demo Lenore has played a couple really good games for us, and I think he deserves to be on the field. Um, I mean, I guess it is a little bit difficult because I don't know if Demo is better than Josh Norman or Emmanuel Mosley. Emmanuel Mosley is playing incredible. Uh, Josh Norman is kind of hit or miss, but I guess you could say he's you know, a savvy vet and he's better right now than Demo. And uh, I think Quan Williams and... Um, Dante Johnson are both better slot players than Demo Lenore. Uh, so Demo Lenore is kind of on that, like uh, he's kind of the first man up on the outside. Uh, but the fact that we waived Devonte Harris, it, it must mean that Quan uh, Williams should be back, which would be great. It'd be great to get some people back, uh, some reinforcements. And with uh, the Jock S. Patrick, him being... Waved, that probably means that Jamichael Hasty should be able to return after the bye week. So it'd be really nice if after the bye week, if Trey Lance is healthy, I would love to see him start getting Kawan Williams back and Jamichael Hasty would be back, you know, adding another, adding one of our better, uh, you know, corners in and bringing in another running back. It'd be a good thing. It'd be a good thing. Uh, I'm definitely hoping that that's the reason why we made those two moves. So I think that's pretty much everything. And then hopefully in a month when we see George Kittle, he is fully healthy and he's not limping around because Jimmy keeps throwing him hospital balls and he keeps destroying his lower leg. But with all that Uh, I think I'm going to head out. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, even if it was just a whole bunch of me ranting and raving and talking about how amazing Trey was, how amazing the defense was, and how questionable some of the personnel decisions were and how frustratingly bad the offensive line was. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, Like, subscribe, comment, share, tweet me, or I don't know, whatever you do, um, all those thingy-majiggies. I will catch you next time. I don't have an exact idea about what I'm going to put out next. Uh, I think that I am going to try and spend some time. I think I'm going to try and spend some time doing personal film analysis because I now have the all 22 footage and I really like watching other content creators do their all 22 film analysis And I think what I'm going to do is when the all 22 comes out, which it doesn't show up on mine. I think other people who have it have early access. Um, But when the all 22 comes out, I think I'm going to try and do my own film analysis and try and come back with some more thoughts. Uh, And then of course, you know, any other big news that comes up, we will discuss that. So until next time, have an awesome day, awesome morning, awesome evening. You're awesome, don't